Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Jet Smarter, Jet Smarter, JetSmarter.com. I hope you get it. Are you ready to travel smart? Imagine, no more TSA, no more long lines, no more waiting and shoving and being pat down or even getting seated in the middle. You too can begin to enjoy a royal and peace-filled way of travel with folks on the move doing good in our world. America Meditating Radio is pleased to partner with Jet Smarter as we take traveling to a whole new level. All you have to do is call 888-VIP-JET and tell them Sister Jenna said to call you and use the code AMJET for specials. Join me on JetSmarter.com today and let's make 2018 great. As we saw, and as you can verify when you look up into the sky tonight, there's objects out there and there's space. That's basically what the world consists of. And the two dimensions are within you. And humans have become lost in one. So we are here to realize that dimension. It cannot be realized in the future. It cannot be made into an object of a search because it's here now. moment you're looking for it, you create a future. Now what is future? It's a thought form. Apart from that, there is no future except as a thought form. cannot come except as now. So it's now the arising of space consciousness or the realization of space consciousness is here now. For example, it happens when you acknowledge not only the words that you hear. Acknowledge simply means 
pay attention, notice. Just as noticing here, there are two dimensions just the same as when you look up into the sky at night, you will find there are two dimensions. There are the words here, and there's a silent space or stillness in which the words happen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And um, don't you just love his gift and his sharing to our humanity? Because with the rate in which things are moving, you can squeeze in literally a hundred things to do in an hour. Back in the days, we barely were able to finish one thing in an hour. (laughs) And now with technology and um, social media and um, a variety of channels to choose from, I don't even have a television in the house. Can you believe it? And if it wasn't for Twitter on my smartphone or um, some information on my laptop, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't be updated. Maybe I'd be really archaic and maybe I'd just be really nice. Because when I even turn on my Twitter handle and I look at some of the information that greets me in the morning, I was like, oh God, don't I just wish God would be the first thing on my Twitter handle to just say, hey princess, how are you today? You're going to do something great and magnificent today. Can you imagine how our world or how our consciousness would feel if we were to wake up to that? Well, we can, because it's really entirely up to us to choose and select the kinds of thoughts and feelings that we wish to awaken in. And uh, from your bed to the bathroom, what are you thinking? From the bathroom to the kitchen, what are you thinking? From the kitchen to the living room, what are you thinking? It requires some courage, requires a lot of attention. We can either use tension to force us in thinking at a higher level, or we can choose love to gently guide me into a higher level of thinking. And I have to tell you, the love part is really beautiful when you get it. If you have a lot of love around you, you will find that you sort of glide on that wave of love and perhaps it doesn't even feel like you're making a lot of effort to make your life into anything, whatever. It's just the love is moving you. There's something about tragedy. There's something about trauma. There's something about tension that I don't know what it does. It's like an earthquake, and it just allows things that are very deeply etched in our personality, in what we call in Raja Yoga meditation, in our sanskaras, that that gets like opened up, gets touched, and it comes to the surface. I have to tell you, I have an amazing group of folks around me, and we all meet to really remind ourselves why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, so that at least each one can kind of bank on their own personal intention and their own love for why they show up every day either on the America Meditating Radio or at the museum, right? 
So we always have, you know, there's always that one person in the group that really tries to test you if you're authentic or real. And there's a young woman that has tested everyone in the staff. And after watching Oprah Winfrey's speech at the Golden Globe Award, you know, I was inspired to write an article. Please go to Huffington Post to see my latest story on think and speak only of the people you wish to become. People who have modeled a virtue, a value, a strength that when you think and speak of them, your spirit feels loved and served and empowered because you're the only one who can actually really make that deep-rooted change in your being in order for you to take another step higher in the in, in the game. And so whether you have that one person that comes into your life and consistently tests you or your family or your people, please, if you catch yourself thinking or even speaking about them, stop. Pinch yourself. Just redirect the gauge of thinking into, well, who do I like? Who inspires me? And if you look at my list, I find it incredible. When I think about all the people that have inspired me um, throughout this lifetime, I really just want their goodness and their vibrations in my system. Because why would I want anything more than that? The Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, the This movement, the That movement, many of us are coming to some foregone conclusion that even if I judge someone, that's still a blemish on my record. And so if I'm tested by anything outside of me, if I'm tested by politics, by laws, by religion, by relationship, by finance, by health, at the end of the day, something in the soul gets triggered and the soul has to reveal to itself, well, how have you been serving me? Have you been paying attention to me? Or have you completely ignored or denied me? Stay tuned. We're going to have a heart-to-heart conversation with Cute Blackson. And I love his work. I love Cute's work, and I just love his name. So don't touch that dial. Here's a meditation before we go on to having a chit-chat with Cute. Here's Here and Now by Karen Warrington on Healing Heart and Soul. These two meditation practices allow you to be present in the here and now. Not in the past, worrying about things that are over. Not in the future, worrying about things that might be. right in the present because right here and right now you're okay let's begin with here so make sure you're sitting comfortably and close your eyes or leave them half open if you wish begin by having a sense of where you are Are you outdoors or are you in a building? Feel the temperature of this environment. Listen to the sounds in the distance.
And what do you hear nearby? Notice everything without judging it, without commenting in your mind. Now, sense your body, starting with your toes and slowly working your way up. Become aware of the soles of your feet and your ankle bones. Feel the bend in your knees. Feel where your hands are and whether your fingers are curled over or straight. Feel where your body makes contact with the furniture. Notice the curve in your spine in your lower back, middle of your back, The curve in your neck. Notice the angle of your head and whether your teeth are together or slightly apart. Feel the texture of your clothing on your skin. Notice the temperature of your body. Sense the weight of your legs and your arms. Your head. Sense the weight of your whole body. Notice how still your body is and how calm you are. Be present to your body here in this place. For a few more moments, rest in the stillness. Hmm. Welcome back. Breathe deeply. That was Carmen Warrington from Australia. The CD is called Heart and Soul. I've been having a lot of folks telling me about let's begin a meditation program in the morning and I go, that's the worst time, everyone's sleepy. But I keep thinking maybe it might be a good idea. Let's see what's written in the destiny. But hey, I'm so privileged to welcome our next guest, Cute Blackson. Cute is the author of the best-selling book, You Are The One. 
and is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development by everyone ranging from Larry King, Jack Canfield, Marianne Williamson, and more. He's been featured on Larry King Now, National Morning Shows, Fox and Friends, and a lot more. A charismatic visionary and transformational teacher, Cute offers a fresh, bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. And for over 20 years, Cute has been inspiring audiences around the world. His electrifying presentations not only offer real-world practical ideas and soul-stirring wisdom, but also he ignites the heart and he inspires courageous action. His mission is simple, to inspire people across the globe, to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their life's true purpose. Today, we're privileged to welcome Cute Blackson to the air. Hi, Cute. Hi there, Sister Jenna. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, always. You know, I guess you must get pleasantly um, teased with your cute name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the time. It's all I bet all the girls go, too. you really are cute. They go, you are cute. That's a cute name. So anyway, thank you for being with us. Um, you know, when we're growing up as kids, mm-hmm. our parents tend to uh, look look at us with that vision, not only of love, mm-hmm. but what they think is perhaps our destiny or what they think would be the best for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, from West Africa and from the age of eight, your father was telling you, you know, you're going to be doing this. And mm-hmm. he wanted you to be the successor of his church. But then something in cute was shifting because you went Mm. into, I wouldn't say it's a church philosophy, but you took it to another level. Let me say that because I Mm. feel that's what we do. We took it to another level. Mm. What was happening with you? Why is it that you found the courage to really say, Dad, I love you. I love what you do. Yet I think my calling is this. What was going on with cute? Yeah, you know, my I always felt uh, a deep calling to serve humanity. I remember being age five, being age six, and I felt this sort of insatiable, innate burning desire to serve people. And since my father, he had 300 churches, was considered a miracle worker. I mean, I grew up seeing blind people. Uh, he would put his hands on the face of blind people and they would see. I remember seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor and picking up the sand. He walked on, wiping on her face and standing up. So I grew up in this you could say, uh, deeply miraculous, mystical environment with a lot of expectations. You had 300 churches, hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, was the spiritual teacher to kings and and world leaders in the African area. And so, you know, age eight, I started speaking in my father's audience and I I, I felt this this, this calling, this, this strange desire to have an impact. It was just something in my bones. I knew that, let's say, my life wasn't my life, yet I didn't know any other way. You know, this was how I grew up. I didn't think anything was different. I didn't think anything was was abnormal. This is just all I knew. And, uh, you know, something happened. I think around age eight, age nine, I picked up my very first self-help book, a metaphysical spiritual book uh, called Creative Visualization. And then I started to read uh, all sorts of books from my father's bookshelf. He was very eclectic in his, you could say, spiritual philosophy. I started reading everyone from the uh, Western pop psychology folks with the Wayne Dyers, the Louise Hayes, Mary Williamson's of the world. Then I started reading also the, the Indian mystical traditions, the Krishnamurtis, the Oshos, the Ramana Maharishis, the Maharishi Mesh Yogis. I mean, I went deep into the, the Indian, the mystical, the Eastern traditions and started having some really uh, intense at a very young age, 10, 11, 12, some intense spiritual experiences. And I remember being 
age 14, and my father announcing to the congregation, my son is taking over my spiritual, my, my spiritual organization. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't like we had a conversation. Just the it was just, you know, being, they usually being don't with that Africa, culture. They just don't. Yeah. It's just, this is the way it's going to be. My son is taking over. I look at my mother and he, I, I look at my father and I guess I just, you know, that the truth is I love my dad. The truth is, I wanted to help people. The truth is, I was too afraid in that moment to say anything, you know, because I was afraid. And I knew the truth. There was a frequency, an energy, a resonance of deep knowing that this wasn't my path. This wasn't quite the aligned form and expression of what what I was truly meant to uh, give to the world. And yet, I didn't know any other way, and I was afraid, and I was afraid that if I spoke the truth, if I told the truth, if I expressed the truth to my father, that I would lose love, that I would be outcast, that I would be alone, I would be abandoned, I'd be rejected, all of these fears. And so I said nothing. And it took me about uh, four years, from about 14 to 18, to silently burn in the truth, silently burn in this knowing and it took me four years to muster up the courage to finally have a conversation with my father. One thing that happened, uh, I read a book by J. Krishnamurti, the Indian uh, philosopher and you know, uh, spiritual teacher. And I really related to his life. He was a young man who was groomed to take over a spiritual organization and left and, and, and just had his own experience. And when I read his, his life story, there was just an internal alarm bell that went off. And you know, it's that sense where you know where you know something resonates, where you know something's true, and it's like an uh-oh, oh shit moment, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And, and, and the truth stares you in the face, and you know that you can't turn back. And I remember being 18, and I looked, you know, my, I looked at my future, and I looked at the trajectory of my future, and I realized if I chose the expected path, the path that was expected of me by society, by those around me, by my father, and I lived his life, I might be successful in quotation marks by everyone's standards. But if I, if I don't have myself, then what is that? What is that worth? And I felt such a sadness, such a pain when I looked into my future and I felt that trajectory. And then I looked at, at, at another door. I looked at the path of the unknown. But the, which was really the part of me following my heart, following my truth, following my deepest impulse, even though I didn't know where that was going to lead me, even though I was afraid of the consequences of what would happen then. Just something, if, if I was really honest with myself, something felt right. And so uh, I just, I made a decision. And, you know, in that moment, I realized I did know, and I realized that to deny my soul to deny my deepest truth not my mind not even my emotions but my deepest soul's knowing was was suicide and so yeah. uh, i decided to, to have a conversation with my father and follow my truth no matter what the consequences uh because mm. i realized if i if i don't if i don't have myself and if i don't yeah. have my own integrity then yeah. what do i have really i can yeah. have everything yeah. but i have nothing and so I chose to uh, to make that choice and uh, had the conversation and it was not look not, it, I'm not going to say it was easy like hey I had the conversation and followed my truth and the whole universe opened up and the skies opened up and no my father and I we didn't speak for about two years I was somewhat sort of alone for two years and it was an intense struggle sometimes when you follow your true purpose when you follow your alignment that's when the challenges begin. 
Yes. Let me step in here because we're talking about sort of suppressing our narratives, suppressing our stories, yes. suppressing sometimes that calling that we get. But here it is. Economy plays a big role. Bills have to be paid. Mm -hmm. If you're a woman mm -hmm. and you have a child and you're not married, you know, you've got responsibilities. And so mm -hmm. whereby you might want to be a singer, you know, you have to do a job and be a secretary for now, which is a guaranteed job, you know. And, and, and the point that I'm making is that we hear a lot of talk uh, now mm -hmm. about depression, anxiety, Stress, uh, especially in the United States more than ever. The country has been going through such duress for the last two years. So my question to you, Cute, is um, if we are struggling with regret, anxiety, or depression, what's the best advice that can help folks to get to a more peaceful place and a purposeful place? You know, one, one question I, I, I'd be curious to ask is, you know, the, the, the question of why. Because I think many mm. times, you know, and it's a big conversation, because I don't think there's one blanket answer. I think many times we, we feel a sense of depression uh, because there's certain things we're not acknowledging. You know, there's certain truths, there's certain feelings, there's certain emotions that we aren't acknowledging, that we are suppressing, that we're not wanting to feel, that we've shut down from long ago or from the last few years or from a recent heartbreak or, you know, and, and so I think it's important to just really take a moment to, to realize, I feel that many times depression is not a, there is a gift in depression and a message in depression if we're willing to really uncover and pay attention and listen and not suppress the feelings of depression because underneath that uh, there are feelings that need to be felt that if we're willing to feel them, uh, they reveal their gifts to us and you know, I believe that no feelings last forever, all feelings when fully felt. I hear what you're saying, because in your work, you are encouraging people to ask the right questions. Uh, one of the ones, yes. one of the questions that touched me a lot is, what if today were my last day? How would you even mm -hmm. approach your last day? I mean, what would you do, Q? Mm -hmm. What would I do? <laughs> yeah, what if you today know, was your honestly, last day? Uh, for, for me, the question, let me just clarify the question, because sometimes people think, oh, they, 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 Sometimes people take the question literally or superficially. Wow, today was my last day. Screw it, Sister Jenna. I would just go and eat 15 tubs of ice cream and, <laughs> you know, uh, drink to my heart's content. I mean, that's not really the question. The real question is the, 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 the willingness to feel more deeply, the willingness to feel your deepest truth, the willingness to feel beyond what those around you expect, the willingness to feel your deepest truth. And so for me, you know, honestly, I feel like I'm living my deepest truth i'm living you know i'm living that so i i just encourage people to actually feel death to feel death mm. to feel ultimately we're all going to die whether you're gandhi mother Teresa, bob marley david bowie bruce lee jesus buddha at least the physical body in some way shape or form has an expiry date even though the soul is eternal and infinite and so i think many times we're resisting death we're avoiding death we're distracting ourselves and i think the more we can just make peace with the fact that this physical body is temporary and truly embrace that not as a morbid thing or as a depressing thing but but as a as a reality as a fact and embrace that to me then we can make death our friend so i mm. just invite people to truly live fully to truly live passionately to truly live authentically when you really bring death close and and you could say put your cheek 
next to next to this friend called death you remember that you don't have time to waste let's say uh, in a relationship that isn't truly authentic because of you know what people expect of you you don't have time to waste in a job that you absolutely hate that is robbing you of your integrity and compromising your truth there is no time to waste on petty things because none of us know when that moment's going to come and so for me the consideration of death is not just hey a uh, sense of just do whatever you want and you know drink and party and 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 live a hedonistic lifestyle it's really an invitation to feel deeper to feel beyond your fears to feel your heart to feel your soul and to live the deepest expression to feel the deepest expression of what is seeking to happen through you and have the courage to feel your truth to have the courage to live your truth to have the courage to speak your truth and to have the courage to truly live an authentic life and uh-huh. yes uh-huh going to tell you what i think i'd like to do if if what's my last day because even when i explored the question for myself cute I would want to be just having this conversation with you over the air. There you go. There you go. I just feel like, right? you know, like like there should be, um, I think that the time and the age that we're in, we're being called to live as authentically and truthfully as we can. And your mm. new book that's out, You Are the One. I love that. And could you mm. share briefly the main message that you wanted your readers to take away after putting that book down and digesting it look in a nutshell huh, the main message is simply you are the one that is mm-hmm. uh, if, if anyone uh you know has has a as a poor memory just remember the message is you are the one i think many times uh we look around at the great ones whether it's the spiritual great ones enlightened gurus teachers masters and you know i love them all they paved the way we look around but the heroes the oprahs the steve jobs the elon musks of the world the bruce lees you know we look around at celebrities and heroes and powerful figures and so often we worship them and we project onto them and we respect them and we're inspired by them and so for me the book you are the one is a bold invitation simply to say hey yes all those people are great but we are living in intense times we're living in challenging times we're living in amazing times and uh it's a bold invitation for each of us to step into our god-given divine birthright each of us to step into our greatness and live our greatness and to me all the great ones simply were examples and possibilities of what it is to truly live fully live authentically live uh, mm. live our full potential and so Uh, you are the one is a reclamation of our own true authentic mm. power and uh, for us to stop looking outside of ourselves and realize look no one's you know look no one's coming you know so if you're waiting for yeah. someone to do it for you the government or you know parents or the white knight on the horse or some you know superhero that's going to save you look no one's coming and no one's coming not in a morbid way but no one's coming because you're it you and I we have all been encoded with the power we've all been encoded with an intelligence we've all been encoded with a seed of greatness that we get to activate and and live out in our lifetime and to really you know take full responsibility to to own what we are that you and I we are being lived and breathed by right. the same intelligence that is birthing the sun and the stars right. and the moon we've been lived and breathed by a, a mighty force and to re- recognize 
essentially who and what we really are. Yeah. And so that's, that's really a, a simple inspiration for the book. I love it. That's brilliant. Um, I want to segue into a conversation that's been very rampant out there, uh, the Me Too movement. And I know in some of your work, uh, so many uh, sisters come to you for support and guidance. And I've even had the fortune of watching one or two of your videos where you basically um, advise women, come on, you know, find your worth and choose a man who is of your worth. And I found myself saying, yeah, definitely, no doubt. And then I found my thoughts going, but how many men are modeling their worth to even match? And so the ratios of women right now finding a partner um, to really support their values and their virtues, it's a, ver- it's a big test. So I'm going to just put that on the shelf for a moment. My real question to you is that as a man, a young, young man growing up in this country and all over the world, you've, you've seen a lot of things and you've heard a lot of voices. How has this Me Too movement impacted you on a personal level? The reason why I'm asking, I gave a lecture the other night with uh, Dr. Andrea Pennington, who just released a new book called Time to Rise. And, you know, the Me Too movement came up, and she has a young daughter. And I said, you know, all I want is to hear a few men uh, come up and start a movement and say, men who care. And basically for men to say, honestly, we didn't know it was creating such pain. We didn't. That's just what our parents, what my dad told me. That's what my friends did. It's in the Bible. It's in this. It's in that. It's like we didn't know. Like I'm inviting um, my male brothers to start a conversation, a movement that's basically saying, could you guys tell us, like, tell us, what are we actually supposed to think? This is new for us. This is an eye-opener for us because Peer pressure by men with each other is huge. And it's hard when a man just says, I don't want to do that, bro. I don't want to go there. They're usually known as sissy or softer or pushed out of the group. So there's a lot at stake because you take away the dignity and the power of a woman. There is no future left. What are your thoughts, Cute, about what you're witnessing right now with the sexual harassment case going on? And it's in politics, it's in Hollywood, it's in religion. It's just been happening for too long. What are your personal feelings about what you're witnessing? My personal feelings um, Mm -hmm. and what I feel inside myself is what is happening must happen. What is happening, and when I mean must happen, that all of the, the darkness that has been suppressed for so long, all of the shadow that has been suppressed for so long, all of the abuse that has, been, that has occurred for so long in relationship to the feminine is now, uh, can no longer be suppressed and is now coming up to light, coming up to be seen, coming up to, to be faced. And the masculine in the form of you know, men, and it's coming out very uh, visibly in our culture today, uh, to me, this is a process that has to happen, and it's a purification that has to happen, and it's a healing that has to happen. And uh, I am so, uh, I guess, happy that women are courageously stepping up and speaking and sharing. And, you know, I think it, it also forces, it's forcing us as men to reflect and to feel and to own our stuff and to take responsibility. And so, you know, my feeling is I think it's important that us as men, whether we have consciously done anything, unconsciously, you know, perpetuate the behavior or just, you know, we haven't, but we've just 
just by virtue of being men in this lifetime, uh, I think it's important that we really hold uh, that safe space for the feminine to express and to, to communicate and for us to really listen and to provide that space because I feel that's part of what will facilitate the healing between men and women and for us as men to take full responsibility for our actions, full responsibility. And I think, you know, women communicating and speaking up is, is going to, is calling the masculine forward, you know, to step up, to rise up, to, to heal the shadow, to bring what's been in the shadow to the forefront more than ever. And, uh, and, and for me, that is, I feel it's a very powerful thing that's happening and a very necessary thing that's happening to, to bring everything to the surface. Thank you. I think what you said was very beautiful and heartfelt, and I could feel that. Because I know some of the guys that have been accused, um, some of them are even friends, and my whole mm. thoughts and question is like, you know, when I was in my 20s, I did stupid things. I had no mm. idea that I would grow into some leadership position that would be a lifting so many lives and and perhaps some of the things I did in my teens and in my 20s I wouldn't want the whole world to know I was ignorant and didn't even think that far ahead so my thought is like uh, my heart goes out as well to some of the men who in their 20s or in their 30s or even in their 40s were in a space of you know the ego game of your power and your position and and they did make a mistake and they did you know, cross the boundary or the line of a woman's feelings and emotions and her body. And that I I really wish that there would be a conversation to support them whereby Mm -hmm. they've said, I'm not there anymore. I would never do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. children. I have a daughter. And I've understood it was wrong. Like, I would want to hear them say that. And I would want to hear there be a platform that says, I get it. Well, that's all we want to know. We just want to you to just be aware that that really wasn't a good thing and I, I don't want that to be passed on to your son or to my son or for it to be keep portraying in the movies and the television. Do you know what I'm saying, Cute? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think, and I think what you're saying that I really, you know, agree with is that there does need to be the, mm-hmm. on, on the case of man, you know, the, the, full, the, the full acknowledgement and responsibility uh, for what occurred at that moment, at that stage of their lives. And I think if that's there, because I, I, some men aren't necessarily taking the full responsibility. And, and I think if the full responsibility is taken, then I think healing can happen. You know, it's like, yes, right. this is where I was in my 20s. You know, this is where I was in my 30s. And this is what I'm learning. And this is my reflection. And this is my evolution. And to, and to, to offer a heartfelt apology, I think then there can be healing and forgiveness and evolution. Yes, beautiful. And and I would really like to invite you to be one of the spearhead of, of this sort of narrative because mm-hmm. folks will listen to you, especially coming as a man. Um, I can't mm-hmm. end our conversation without us uh, talking about your travels, your tours. So what's on mm-hmm. your horizon? Where are you going to be? Where can all those ladies run after you and pay a million dollars to hear you talk about <laughs> how to transform their lives? And <laughs> well, uh, you know, just as a side note, I'm excited to do my very first event in uh, Kenya, Nairobi, and and so that will Great. be in, in 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 February. So that's exciting. I'm kind of excited excited about uh, doing things in Africa 
uh, again. Right. But, uh, you know, I do events, you know, just in a nutshell. I do events all over the world. I do twice a year. I hold a 12-day intensive transformational journey in Bali. People can find out about that, www.boundlessblissbali.com. If, if those listening want to connect to my work, men and women, they can go to my main website, you know, www.cootblackson.com. I would love to connect with, with people there. And, you know, I just want to say I'm really inspired by the conversation. Just the general, I really feel just such love and compassion emanating from your voice during this interview. It's, it's really, you know, we haven't met, but it's really evident. And uh, I think the conversations that you're having are really important. I think more than ever, uh, what we're going through right now, you've got me thinking, I think it is a wake-up call and we can no longer push the snooze button more than ever. I think we all have to, me too, for, for, in terms of the Me Too movement uh, as a whole, uh, but as a, as a We Too movement, we all have to step up if you look at what's happening politically and globally. And I mean, I was in parts of Africa, in Ethiopia and Ghana over the, over the holidays. And, you know, there's, I see, you know, kids walking three, four hours just to get yeah. water. And I see women take walking seven kilometers a day just to get firewood. I mean, this is the world we're I living know. in while we're, while, while we're launching rockets to the moon. Nothing wrong with that. I hope, you know, we, we do get onto the moon. But we have people on the planet that literally don't have access to water. So I think more than ever, we all have to step up and live love in our lives with every thought, with every action, with every intention. That we, you and I, we are co-creating our world and we have to do whatever it takes to, to number one, raise our consciousness. And yes, meditate right. and have our spiritual practice, but really put that spiritual practice as real living love into the world with actions and, and take our meditation to the street, take our meditations to life and really live what we feel and know inside. And I feel it's time. We can't wait for someone to do it. You and I, we are the ones that will make the change. Thank you for that, Cute. Um, on your Twitter handle, which I just followed you on just now, um, one of the tweets that I love that you posted was, real love has no opposite. Cute Blackson, thank you so much for joining us on America Meditating. If you ever come to Washington, D.C., please let us host you at the Meditation Museum. I would love to have a, a session with men and their voices about, you know, men who really care too and, and, and to really expand this conversation. So I don't think I want to support women who are feeling like they're vindicated and the men are losing their jobs mm. and all of that. There is a lot more here that everyone really has to work on, and I think we're not offering the voice for men to really do also their work uh, to say, mm. just tell me, what what should we have done better, you know? So mm. please let's lead the way in this conversation and uh, let me know mm. if you ever come to the wonderful Washington, D.C., which nobody remembers around the world anymore. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, cute. Many blessings. Take good Big care. Hugs. Much love. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a wonderful energy. A young man with just, you could feel it, his love and his passion for the call that he's been, you know, selected for. Uh, this is how we've got to amplify our lives. And I could just see cute in another 10 years, the depths of his wisdom and his reality in another 10, 20 years. He's going to learn and, and know even more about himself and about humanity. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Cute Blackson, everyone. His latest book, You Are 
the one. And let's see if we can begin to engage in a conversation. Uh, hashtag uh, men who care too. Let's begin that movement together and see if we can really create a ripple of saying uh, men who really are ready to listen and to find ways as to how they can um, create a new narrative that can say, I'm sorry, I didn't know, and yet guide me, tell me what it is that was needed. You know, it's just we were never taught differently. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. We are here to love each other the same, so let's do that. I'm going to play some Bob Marley. I'm going to play some Bob Marley today. And here is War by Bob Marley. And before I let you go, please, if you're in D.C., go to see the City of Hope exhibit at the National Museum of American History. I forgot to mention that. We had a private tour, and it was just very powerful, about the Poor People's Campaign in 1968. It was sponsored by the National Museum of African American History. And remember to get your... CD, Inclusion Revolution, Together with Love, by yours truly. Don't forget to follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Here's Bob Marley, War. Until the philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently Discredited and abandoned everywhere is war. It's a war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation. Until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance. That until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race, it is a war. That until that day, the dream of lasting peace, world citizenship, rule of international morality. Remaining but a fleeting illusion to be pursued but never attained. Now everywhere is war, war, and until the ignoble and unhappy regime that holds our brothers in Angola in Mozambique. South Africa, subhuman bondage, have been toppled, totally destroyed, well everywhere is war, is a war, war in the east, war in the west, war
Nancy. 